third lesson today comes from Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, verses 26 through 34. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. When I was in high school, my dad bought my first car for me. Must have been about the first month after my junior year began. All my friends had started getting their cars. A lot of them had gotten them at the the spring semester of the, the end of the previous year. And they were all getting these small little sports cars. They were pretty fast. They were neat. They weren't very fancy. Most of them were used and abused by the time they got them, and if they weren't by the time they got them, they quickly were afterwards. But they had these little cars, and they were neat, and they were theirs, and they could play with them, they could tinker with them, they could race them, maybe. Well, I finally got a car that I could play with, and I could tinker with, and I could race. Well, to say that mine was different and stood out in the high school's parking lot is a little bit of an understatement. My car was dirty. It was loud, and when I cranked that 1974 Chevrolet Nova up, it roared, and it had the distinct smell of raw horsepower. Well, the first week I was driving this car to school, I was going down the road, and I had gotten about half a mile away from the house going towards school, and I heard the most awful loud clank come from the front end of my car. And I looked into my rearview mirror that was kind of dangling and wobbling, And I could see part of my engine laying in the road behind me, along with a trail of water that used to be in that engine. Thus began my journey to restore this beloved beast. We would replace one part here, then two parts there would fall apart. And then we would replace those two parts, and two more parts over here would fall off. And that was the cycle for the next couple of years. Well, I loved this car. Oh, I loved it. My dad knew I loved it, so we decided we would keep this thing that kept breaking and costing money. And every penny that I made over the next couple of years at the grocery store ended up going into fixing this old car up. Throughout the time that we were fixing the car, I was still going to school, so it was still my daily driver, and I'd pull into the parking lot with that car, and it didn't always look very good. A lot of the kids that I went to school with would give me strange looks, especially when we got to the point that we were starting to sand all of the old paint off and we had taken the bumpers off of the car and I had lights hanging from cords and they had to be duct taped to the body so that they didn't fly off going down the road. Well, fixing up this old car was not always the easiest and most pleasant of things to do. Rebuilding a car can become very tedious at certain points of the adventure. When you have to drive that car as your daily driver, When you're having to go through these weird and tedious parts of restoring an old car, you often get some strange looks from people. 
You can go pick up groceries at the grocery store and people are thinking, I hope he doesn't park next to me. But for those who have restored a car themselves, you get a little bit of a different look from those people. They can look and they can see what that car is going to be. They don't look at what it is right now. They know what kind of work is going to have to go into fixing up that car. They know all the money that's going to be sunk into that labor of love. They know what it's going to look like after all the sweat and the, the, the bloody knuckles from knocking your hands on a fan belt. Well, this whole time that I was rebuilding the car, I kept begging my dad to let me enter it into a car show. The car wasn't finished yet, but I just knew it had to win something as cool as it was. It had a loud, big engine. The mufflers were loud. We had even removed the bird's nest that came with the car that was under the hood. Of course, it had to win something in a car show. But the car hadn't been painted yet. It was still white, not real attractive. Had a nice layer of dirt over it, some scratches. Dad told me we weren't going to be entering my car into a car show until it was painted. The paint would be the very, very last thing that we would do. That way it'd be fresh, it'd be shiny, and it'd be done. Well, he wouldn't let me enter in my car into a car show, but he took me to several car shows. He wanted me to look and see what it would look like when people rushed the job of restoring a vehicle that they had entered into that show. See, my dad spent a lot of years growing up painting vehicles. It's one of his hobbies. And he knew exactly how much prep work had to go into a vehicle before you actually spray the paint on the outside in order for it to look like a smooth, slick piece of colored glass. He knew that unless I could see what it would look like when someone hadn't put in all that time in the prep work, I would never want to put in all that time of the prep work when I did my car. So I'd go to these car shows, and he would have me kneel down on my knees at the rear bumper of one of these cars. And he'd tell me to look down the side of the car. And he'd say, look down the side of that one. You see how it looks smooth when you're away from it? But when you kneel down and you look along the side, you've got all the ripples in the paint. That person didn't do all the prep work. The paint job itself is actually pretty good. They laid a nice smooth coat down, but the prep work wasn't done. He said, you can ruin a $10,000 paint job by not putting in the work with a $3 sanding block. Then he'd take me to another car. One that had had all the prep work done the way it should have been done before that final coat of paint was laid down. And he'd tell me to do the same thing with it. Get down on your knees at the rear bumper and look down the side of that car. See how it's smooth? See how it's slick as glass? No ripples? That person knew what it was like to take a $3 sanding block and turn it into a fifteen dollars or $20,000 paint job. The next three years after we had painted that car, I won just about every car show that I put that car into in my class. I didn't necessarily have the nicest vehicle in those shows. It wasn't the most expensive by far. We just paid attention to all of the little details. We paid attention to doing all of the small, tedious, seemingly insignificant things when we rebuilt that car. And alone, they weren't very much. But when you added them all up, it created something beautiful, something amazing, something that came together. See, I paid attention to all of those details that most people cut corners on. Jesus said, the kingdom of God 
is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown and it grows up, it becomes larger than all of the other garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Folks, the kingdom of God doesn't work like most things in the world that we like to deal with. Most of the time, we end up focusing most of our attention on all of the big things in life, right? And it seems to make sense that we would do so. We only have a certain number of hours in each day to get everything done. We only have a certain number of dollars in our bank account in order to make sure all the bills are paid and everything gets taken care of the way it should. We only have a certain number of days in our life to get everything accomplished that we would like to have done, right? So we would focus on these bigger things in our life, the ones that seem to make the most visible impact. The kingdom of God always seems to be working differently than we would like to, to work most of the time. You see, if we actually lived into the kingdom of God the way that Jesus says we need to, it would probably end up turning our lives upside down, wouldn't it? Kingdom of God. It's like a mustard seed. You ever seen that mustard seed? It's like I was telling the kids a few minutes ago. If you take that tip of a ballpoint pen and you cut it in half, that's about the size of a mustard seed. It's something so tiny. Something so seemingly insignificant. And it becomes the kingdom of God. Something so grand, so extravagant, so beautiful and wonderful. Coming from an insignificant little seed. But then Jesus goes on to say that the kingdom of God doesn't stay the size of a mustard seed. And it probably won't stay that way very long. It grows into one of the largest plants that you can possibly imagine. The branches expand, the leaves come out. And this tiny little insignificant grain of a mustard seed becomes a haven of safety for all sorts of animals. It becomes a home for these birds that want to nest in it. It provides shade for all sorts of creatures. The kingdom of God begins with something so insignificant, and it provides life to everyone who would like to find themselves under the shade of that bush. A lot of times our faith we don't really like to spend a lot of time with the small little details. We want to know what the checklist is that will get us in good graces with the church, maybe with the preacher, maybe even with God. We want to know what it is that we have to do and how to do it and where we can do it, maybe even how much money we can put in the offering plate and be okay. We want to know what we can do to check off that checklist of our faith. It's kind of like we want that $20,000 paint job without putting in the elbow grease with that $3 sanding block. We get so impatient with all these little parts of our faith that end up building that greater life of faith. We go ahead and we spray that paint on our face before we've done all the prep work. And then we wonder why there's ripples when trouble comes. We get so impatient with doing the small stuff when it comes to showing others what a life of faith is like. We want our kids to grow up with a strong faith, right? We want them to grow up with a strong faith that they can cling on to so that when they go off to their next stage of life, when they're not living at home with us, that they can rely upon it, that they can grow into that faith. But how often do we really take the time to teach them? Maybe we teach our own kids, but how often do we take the time 
to teach the children who don't live in our homes. We don't want to put in that time and effort that it takes to teach the kids these stories that they need to be learning in Bible school and Sunday school. We want to work on the bigger things that seem to make more of a visible impact here and now. We've got limited time, right? Limited resources. We want to focus on the big things that make those initial big impacts. And then our kids go off. They go on to the next stage of life. And we hope that they've got that faith with them. But you can look at a lot of kids my age right now. And their parents, people in their churches, they hope they take that faith with them. There's nowhere to be found in church right now. That prep work wasn't done. It looked good on the outside. But there were ripples under that paint. And at the first sign of trouble, they never came back. We gathered for annual conference at Florence Civic Center this past week. One of the district superintendents was in charge of doing the Bible study each morning when everybody gathered there. One of the mornings, he got to talking about how Jesus calls us to reach out to those who are on the edge of society, those who don't necessarily have a voice of their own that people will listen to right now. And he got to talking especially about children. Children are one of those groups of people that we end up talking about a lot. We end up placing a big emphasis on. But somehow they still don't have a voice. At least not so much as the rest of us. And throughout this Bible study on this particular morning, he started reading off statistics that were related to a child's socioeconomic position in life and the amount of education that their parents had attained. And then he went on to read statistics about a child's socioeconomic position in life and whether or not those children were raised in a one-parent or a two-parent household. And he went on and on and on about reading these statistics that related to a child's socioeconomic position in life and the opportunities that were either afforded to them or not afforded to them because of it. And these children had little or no control over any of these factors. None. We're called to step into the gaps. We're called to help these people. The more he talked, the more he explained how the statistics were related to what we are taught in the scriptures, what we're commanded to do, the love that we are commanded to share, the more I started thinking. I started thinking and wondering to myself, what are we doing as the body of Christ to reach out to these people that are in difficult situations? What are we doing as the body of Christ to help with these situations that can be tedious, that can be time-consuming, that can cause us to sweat and cry and bleed. What are we doing? What are we doing as the body of Christ to actively show the love of God to those who have been pushed aside and no longer have a voice? It made me start thinking about the kingdom of God and that little grain of a mustard seed. That little seed isn't good for very much until it's planted, is it? It can sit there without being planted and never do a thing. It's not worth much. Useless, really. But when that seed gets planted, it could be years before we see any benefit come from it. We could plant seeds starting today all over the city, all over the state, the nation. We could even plant seeds all throughout the world. And it could be years before we see them do anything. But we're told that if those seeds get planted, they will become larger than anything that we can imagine. The kingdom of God is all about those little things. It's about spending time tutoring a child so they can learn to read and read better. 
to even read God's word. The kingdom of God is about feeding people who are hungry so that they can taste the love of Christ. The kingdom of God is about visiting the sick and the lonely, the brokenhearted, so that they can know that they are never alone, that they always have God's spirit with them. The kingdom of God is about smiling and dancing and rejoicing and doing everything you can to let the whole world know that there is good news to be heard good news to be experienced. If you can start planting those little seeds today, tomorrow, and every day after that, what do you think this world's going to look like in five years? What do you think it would look like in ten? Do you think those people without a voice might end up finding God's voice? Do you think those people that we would like to have a life of faith when they go off on their own might just find that a life of faith is the only life they need? What would the world look like in five or ten years if we started planning today? See, you find the kingdom of God in all of those little things. Grand gestures, extravagant acts, fancy speeches, you may find God's kingdom there. But if you really want to see the kingdom shine, if you really want to see those streets of gold in that crystal glass sea, If you really want to find yourself in the presence of God shouting Hosanna and rejoicing, go get yourself a handful of mustard seeds and start planting them in the most unlikely of places. We've got people planting those little tiny seeds all over the place in Central. We've got people planting those seeds of peace, hope, love, every single day of their life. We've got some people who visit the hospital throughout the week. They don't know the people they're going to visit. They've never met them before in their life, a lot of them. They know that their brothers and sisters are experiencing some of the tougher days of their life. And they love them. And they want them to know that God loves them. So they go. They volunteer their time. They visit. They smile. They sit. They talk. They listen. They let them know that somebody cares. We have some people who end up mentoring at some of the the local elementary schools. They want to make sure those children have the best possible chance at a good education. They don't take the fact that those children can read for granted. They go and they make sure that they get a chance, when otherwise they may not. We've got other people who volunteer at the, the Manor House or Lighthouse Ministries. These people are hungry. They're in need. Their basic needs aren't being met. And so these folks go and they volunteer. And they let those folks who come for help know that God is listening. God cares. God hasn't forgotten about them. God calls us to live life and to live it abundantly. He'll provide. He's got all we need. There are all sorts of things, little things, that we can do to answer God's call to go and to plant seeds so that he can water them. And I promise you, if you go out of these walls today and you plant those seeds of peace and hope and love, no matter how small they are, when God waters them, they will become a source of life and safety and security 
and hope for people who otherwise would never have it. So leave this place today. Go get a handful of seeds and go answer God's call.